Hi, it's Elizabeth. Our guest today on Daddy Issues is the actor and performance artist Michael Cavadias. Cavadias's acting credits include Girls, Difficult People, and Wonder Boys, among others. And over the past decade, he's been working on a character that he has named Clay Woman, a 500 million year old galactic being from a place called the Marillion Galaxy who makes frequent trips to New York City. As Clay Woman, Cava Diaz has gained a cult following, performing live interviews and character around New York City with fellow actors and performers, including John Early of Search Party, Cola Scola, also of Search Party, and At Home with Amy Sedaris, and Bridget Everett, who's the star of the new HBO series Somebody Somewhere. You can see clips of these conversations and more videos of Clay Woman on the Instagram account at Clay Woman Hello. And you can hear Clay Woman's podcast conversations with Clay Woman on her Patreon at patreon.com backslash Clay Woman. This episode of Daddy Issues you're about to hear features Cavadia's entirely in character. So we just wanted to give him a pre-intro intro to the one that you'll hear later and tell him thank you again for coming on, Michael. So here, without further ado, is Daddy Issues. Welcome to Telling About Your Father's Daddy Issues, where we discuss who or what in recent pop culture and current events is and is not our dad right now. I'm Matthew Philp. I'm Elizabeth Thompson. And I'm Erin Hosier. Seeing as it's scientifically infeasible that 2022 could be worse than 2021, we here <laughs> at Tell Me About Your Father are approaching cultural commentary with a renewed sense of deeply concerned but lighthearted optimism. This year, we'll be re-examining the distant and recent past and present with the hindsight of 2020 and 21, and we'll be seeking the opinions and counsel of a range of both seasoned people and media personalities alike, all of whom who have seen and said a few things in their time, which brings us to our first guest of 2022. Ooh, that's right. Today's guest marks a milestone for Tell Me About Your Father. She is our first guest to predate history, period. Well, we are honored and thrilled to have Clay Woman with us today, an interstellar being from the Marillion Galaxy who is 500 million years old and has become a beloved figure here on planet Earth, particularly in New York City. Known mm -hmm. for sharing her wisdom and perspective about the humans that inhabit Earth since she's begun visiting them on observation missions, you might call them, for so many hundreds of millions of years now. You can see her live in conversation here in New York City at Pangea, interviewing famous friends of note she's made along the way, including John Early, love, and Cola Scola, love, Bridget Everett, the incredible Bridget Everett. All the best. Even Cynthia Nixon. What? Even Cynthia Nixon? Who we all voted for. <laughs> I totally voted for her. She is also the host of the podcast Conversations with Clay Woman. Clay mm. Woman, welcome to tell me about your father's daddy issues. We're so thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I am just delighted to be here with you all today good where are you where are you zooming with us from well i'm zooming from um my friend um Dana's backyard which i don't know how that happened but i just 
every once in a while when I'm at home, there's this bit, this wind that comes through my office and it blew everything over today. We have very specific winds on the moon that I'm presently, you know, when I have my office. And they just come through very, very small areas. And so my, my, you know, the office just wasn't working right today. So Keltra, who is my sister tonight, went over. Donna doesn't know this because she's inside. We're just sitting in the back um, and we've set up shop here with our transmitter. Clay woman, where, what planet is your office on? Well, it's not on a planet, it's on a moon. Oh, excuse and, me. Uh, five, um, it's all right. It's not, it's not a sensitive moon. It's called um, 5826941X9346294. You know, it's long, and I don't want to bore you with it, but we have it. No, no sometimes we just never get around to really naming things. They just get a coordinate. True. And then did you say your sister bought you over to the backyard? My my assistant, Kelsa. Oh, your assistant. Yes, my assistant, Kelsa. And a lot of people, I talk about this sometimes. Kelsa is amazing. Yeah. She doesn't have a body, so it's really, it's hard to know exactly where she is at the time, but oh, she's great and extremely competent at a job. That sounds like if she, if she, does she transcend matter? Because that'd be useful. Like you wouldn't have to worry about walls and stuff. You know... I feel she, the thing is, you know, Catherine, I was going to ask you, do you, she's, well, see, I don't know where she is. I think she's going into the other room. Yeah. Perhaps. But it balances out anyway. If you, if you can't find her, she's still good enough. I feel like she, you know, she seems to observe boundaries and not just emotionally, but she seems to observe sort of, you know, different trails and things. I don't know if she does that because she has to, or just because she, you know, is trying to fit in. Hmm. Yeah. She's probably still using a Blackberry. You might be, actually. You know, <laughs> I don't know where she, you know, she's, what happened probably is that, you know, we're in the garden here, so she's probably just going off to, you know, look around and pick things. She's looking around. So let's get some, some life story from you, Clay oh, woman. Yeah. Yes, yes. Can you tell us? Where you come from, how long have you been alive? Well, see, I was, I'm, I'm 500 million years old in Earth years. Okay, thank and you. And I come from the Millennium Galaxy, which is extremely far away from me. And um, it's um, a very large and vibrant, vibrant place, many moons, planets, stars. Mm. Um, the short story here is that I... I first started coming to Earth about maybe 150 million years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, no, maybe a little bit before that, there wasn't much going on. So I came back again around 75 million years ago, encountered the dinosaurs, which was just, uh, I just, uh, really wonderful creatures and mm. so sad, you know. Yeah. But what happened to R.I.P. <laughs> yes, definitely. You know, they were just, I think that. It's just such a shame because I think they would have really gotten along with you. And I think it would have been, you know, because they might have evolved, kept evolving and gotten more sentient. And then, you know, you'd have some company down here you could talk to. Instead of men. Did you have men in the Marillion Galaxy? 
where you come from. We, we don't really have like anything sort of, you know, I mean, when I talk to humans, I try to break things down into male and female sort of things, but it doesn't really work like that up there. So, you know, we don't really have, we're just all us. Us, yeah. No, yeah. no gender roles. Not particularly, although I find that it's fun when I'm describing different um, beings from the Marillion galaxy to sort of describe based on their personalities, a human gender role, you know, just it adds to the fun. Yeah. What about your own parents? Do you have any specific memories, like particularly of your father? Well, look, this is where it gets difficult, as you can imagine. Mm. You know, yeah. it's 500 million years ago. So right. yeah, yeah. You know, the time of your childhood is a relatively minor part of your life. Oh. When you really get down to it, once you've lived that long, you know, I think on on Earth, you know, there is. It seems that most humans have, if the the way their parents, um, when when they were children, either leaves them feeling very secure or a bit unsettled for the rest of their life. Where with us, it's sort of the opposite. Mm. Um, people tend to be more traumatized by their children. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, um, so yeah. because of the birthing process and what happens to it. I don't know why this is, but for some reason, when we're born as beings, we're extremely violent mm. in the first, you know, six months of life. No one can be around us. It's a terrifying experience. You know, usually when, when there is a, a birth happening, there's security around, mm. take the child away as soon as possible. So it doesn't kill both of its parents and everyone <laughs> else in the room. And then the parents are sent somewhere else to a safe zone. Yeah. Where the children, and then the children are really united with them later. But it's always difficult because the parents are still terrified and the child is usually a bit, so what, what did I do? You know, because they don't really remember it was, you know, they were so young. And um, so everyone's, you know, working through that. And my parents, you know, I don't, they don't have a lot of memories. You know, it was so long ago and they just, I'm sure when I scared them as every child does. And then we went our separate ways. Do you wow. have siblings, Clay Woman? Do you know? No, no. And you'd think after I was telling I would have found out. Yeah. If anyone else was around there. But, yeah. you know, I think my parents have probably passed on, so I'm not really in contact with them. Mm -hmm. It's also like, if you have, like, I have an aunt who only just recently told me she had a brother and I, you know, I was really shocked. And she's wow. like, yeah, we just didn't really need each other. It's like, it depends on whether you have like a need to connect with your own brothers or sisters or not. And people like get freaked out by that, but it's just real life. Right. I mean, yeah, it's very true. I mean, yeah. if I do have any out there, I don't know where to find me. It's, right. you know, very public, yeah, yeah. a very public persona in Meridian Galaxy. So, you know, I figure that's why I'm thinking maybe not. Right. Can I ask, would you say that like on a long enough timeline, cause you've been around a while. Any trauma, is it fair that the trauma that you may have experienced just kind of peters out? Like you don't even have to process it. It's just like, you don't even remember it anymore. Like humans don't live for 500 million years. So we never get to experience just kind of forgetting it because it's such a long time ago. Is that kind of how you deal it's, with trauma? It's really true. It's really true. And there's some yeah. things that I still, you know, find myself ruminating about here and there, but for the most part at this length of life, you know, half the things that upset me, you know, 200 million years ago, I really couldn't tell you. 
Right. Yeah. You just kind of grow up and get over it. If there's, if there isn't enough time. But you there's not, and that's, you know, no, the time. That's our thing, I guess. Yeah. Clay woman, what have your relationships been like? You know, like people always, there's like a lot of classically Freudian thought that our parents influence the kinds of relationships that we have, romantic or just even in general. Have you, mm -hmm. I guess you can't really remember your parents, but what, what sorts of relationships have you had throughout your life? Have you had romantic partnerships? The one major romantic partnership I had, and I've spoken about this before, is his name is Sinister Grinny. And when I was pretty young, only about 50 million years old, he, you know, sort of discovered me. He was a very powerful um, force in the galaxy. In fact, he was, at that point, he was the ruler of the galaxy. Mm. So, you know, it was quite a connection to make. And, you know, I was, of course, just, you know, overwhelmed and in awe of him. And so we began about a hundred million years long partnership, which was very exciting at the beginning. But um, as time wore on, I found that he was giving me, assigning me a lot of administrative work, the galaxy, mm. which is just not something I'm very good at, you know, I would have to coordinate when certain fleet of starships would enter by this moon and whatever like that. And that, you know, I made a couple of errors. And so there was some public relations difficulties around that. And, you know, I also found that as time wore on, he became more and more self-centered in it for the power, not really in it for building a good um, uh, galaxy for all of the beings to live in. And at a certain point, I just said to him, you know, I've got to do my own thing now. Yeah. And, um, Good for so you. I'm mad. Oh, Good thank for you. you so much. You know, it was yeah. a difficult decision. I was only 150 million years old. Yeah. So yeah. a lot, you know, a lot to make, a lot of a big break to make. And I said, I'm going to go off and I'm going to do a lot of um, speaking. You know, I went on the lecture circuit there. <laughs> that was great. Naturally. But the sad thing is, though, that he just completely unraveled after that. He just, he lost all grounding, all sense of perspective. He began drinking heavily and um, was forced out of power. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, the only thing I know is that now apparently he lives in New York City on uh, 6th Street and Avenue C in a red <sighs> stabilized apartment. Oh, no. It always happens. Uh, always. He's just there alone, very bitter. Sounds like you did everyone a favor, everyone in the universe a favor, including yourself and maybe yeah. even him, but he sounds very patriarchal too. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, he's just was very afraid of um, irrelevance. And so I think he sort of in a strange way, you know, sometimes the thing you fear the most, you uh, end up there because there's a curiosity about it mm -hmm. and there's sort of a thing of like, well. If you're going to, you know, it's a sort of, I guess, a feeling of, oh, just let it happen. So, yeah. We're doing that to happen. So, yeah. Clay Woman, we yes. talk a lot about uh, patriarchal structures on the show as a show about fathers. And often on Daddy Issues, the show that you're on today, we end up talking about people who, who use religion to control others around them, especially women. Um, but also politicians and the ways that that intersects. 
I know I've I've listened to interviews with you in the past where you've talked about your non a non sexual relationship with Jesus, but that you did know him. What mm-hmm. was that like? What were some of the biblical figures that you came across in your time, and what was their whole vibe like? Well, you know, <laughs> he was, as you can imagine, extremely charismatic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, I Still mean, is. when we would walk it. And very much so. I mean, I- iconic, if you will. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, when you would walk into a room, it would just, you know, everyone would be like, well, who is that? I mean, let's be fully, <laughs> you know, completely honest here. Yeah. He was gorgeous. Did he you smell know? good? Yeah, he did. And okay. that's the thing. It's like the crazy thing, too, that people, you know, I think it's very funny because, you know, it sounds shallow to say this, <laughs> but I do think... A lot of his appeal was he was like truly one of the most beautiful people. Yeah. At that time, I mean, people were just like, well, good God. And he was like, oh, <laughs> yes. Literally. <laughs> Literally, you know, and people started describing that to him just because it was, you know, so it's difficult to say whether all of the miracles attributed to him had a lot to do with people just being like, you know, in a way, you know, just being obsessive fans. You know, he would just walk around and thousands of people would follow. It It was just, I mean, I don't think you've seen anyone, you know, even the movie stars of today can't, can't compare. Uh-huh, that's true. He handled it very well. He didn't, it didn't go to his head. Would you say that a lot of the depictions of Christ as he was being crucified, like barely naked, were they kind of a template for the first thirst traps that we of course see everywhere now just like explicit demands for adoration but then there's a certain kind of pain he had to throw in there like you had to feel bad about yes. it that seems like kind of absolutely. a sinister yeah absolutely but the thing was i would give him this he didn't paint those no i know i know i guess yeah he it's just very like different. he modeled <laughs> sure he modeled it just seems like he was sort of setting it up for this to happen. Like, ooh, I'm in a loincloth being he crucified. I'm aware of his, um, you know, of his attributes. He, you know, his effect on people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think the reason we were able to have such a great friendship is because I'm so much older and I'm not human. So it wasn't quite as, you know, taken. I mean, I could tell, I could see based on, you know, just an observation of what is attracted to humans that he was... The superstar of his day. Maybe you didn't get a lot of that on Earth. Yeah. Mm. At that time, though, it was really one of the first. Can I ask your opinion on a minutes before we came to record today, Buckingham Palace released a statement on Prince Andrew. I just interested to know your take on this, Clay Woman. Their statement is written on letterhead. It looks like a poem, the way they've broken it down, but this is all it says. With the Queen's approval and agreement, the Duke of York's military affiliations and royal patronages have been returned to the Queen. The Duke of York will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a private citizen. No further information. Publicly shamed son of the Queen. Like, this is an unprecedented experience for us on Earth. Wondering if you have any insights on how this kind of thing plays out with, like, this sort of storied family that this one central figure that should be taken down for the kind of crimes that he committed or allegedly committed what's your take on that 
I mean, I'm really surprised that they, you know, this particular family has managed this so long. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. they really, they've really managed to stay relevant through so many historical periods. Mm. It's shocking, really, considering they sort of really get in trouble for this and yeah. really get some letters from them, but they really, they don't do anything. You know? <laughs> no, they stand still. Yeah. So on one hand, you have to give it to them for continually making people think that they have that they're necessary for some, mm. for some job to do. Mm-hmm. But also, I never met him. What is it, yeah. Andrew? Well, yeah, Prince like Andrew, yeah. And he sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, he does sound awful. Yeah. yeah. He sounds really awful. And you've never met the Queen? No, no, I met, I met, I knew Victoria. Okay, Victoria. This and, yeah, and she was, you know, she, I mean, She seemed kind of sad like most of her life. She was very, very sad and lonely. She was so sad. And I don't, I could never tell Ryan. I was like, like, what's the problem? Right. You know, you know, and she would, you know, just get, she would get annoyed with me. And then, you know, I would, um, you know, press her on various issues of the day. And she always, she was a contrarian, you know, she'd always take the opposite opinion. Clay woman, what about other like American politicians? Like, and I guess maybe I'm being a little uh, myopic wanting to only talk about America because you've really looked at the world as a whole from afar. But, you know, there's so much adoration still put on the founding fathers today by certain uh, public figures. Did you know George Washington or any of those people or have any like thoughts about what they were up to and doing? I really know. I only knew Ben Franklin well. And he was he was fun. I really liked him. Yeah. But the other ones honestly were just I don't know how to put this right, but they just I didn't really you know, they would always be coughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that in the way to say that but there's something wrong with if you're ill or whatever like that, but they, I don't know what it was. And I mean, it might have come during some sort of flu or something, but they were very, you know, they were like, I do remember Ben explaining to me some the structure they were creating for the constitution. Yes. And I said to him, I said, you know, I know you think this is a good idea now, but it's going to. In the long run, it's extremely unworkable and you're going to have a lot of problems. You're causing a lot of future people, a lot of problems. And he, you know, he didn't really have an answer. You're not an America firster as an objective non-earthling. You're not one of these people who's like, America is the best country on earth. No, definitely not. Earth is, I'm partial to earth as a whole. I really love it. But I don't really see, you know, I've been coming here for so long and there's only been humans for the past, you know, really in human civilization for the past, I don't know, 10,000 years or so. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen a lot of, you know, countries come and go. So if I got attached to them, it would be very, um, you know, I'd always be really upset. Yeah. yeah. Protect yourself in that way. That's smart. Yeah. I can't play favorites. Shall we take a step into our game than dads and not dads game okay so just a reminder for everyone involved the first one we always talk about who is not our dad right now and that can be any person place or thing that has recently been infuriating tragic cruel or just a massive disappointment 
I'm going to go first. I tend not to go first, but I wanted to go first because I listened to your um, interview with Cola Scholar, Clay Woman, and he, he came to this point where he said, I just think everyone on earth should commit suicide. And your response to that was, no, I don't think so. I love humans. I feel like you're an optimist. That was the impression I got from this. And so not my dad right now is this kind of gnawing resentment that lives in me and is actually kind of really basic. And it's so physical. And I just have, I think America runs on resentment. Everybody's like fueled by resentment. It's this very powerful energy. And I just recognize my own resentment as being quite present. And an example of my resentment is Matt Rogers, who is the co-host of um, the wildly popular podcast, Las Culturistas with Bo and Yang from Saturday Night Live. I have this visceral, angry resentment of him, which I know is entirely because I'm jealous of him and attracted to him at the same time. Mm. I always have to step into my own mind and manage it. Like, oh God, here we go again. Mad at Matt Rogers. For the <laughs> record, I think he's handsome and attractive. He can definitely sing. He's very lucky, no shade. He's very culturally astute and he's confidently articulate. Like when he told Katie Couric she was a top. He can be annoying with his obsession with Taylor Swift, but I don't care. So... I guess it's just an annoyance that is like a fly that won't ever go away. It was always having to like swat away the fly of resentment. Mm. Do you have a perspective on resentment? Do you see it that way? Do you experience resentment? Definitely have experience. That's a really, I really, it's a really beautiful and honest, you know, appraisal. I think I know so many people who, who have these sort of feelings come up about others, people in the public eye of, people, especially people in the near public eye, I think can cause a lot of distress, you know, when, when we're going to our own lives, if they sort of, you know, bring up something that uh, feels painful. And, you know, I mean, obviously in terms of resentment, I think a cautionary tale would be, you know, Sinister Grey, you know, he, he, um, right. really, you know, completely destroyed himself with resentment and uh, has never let go of it. And, you know, I've had moments, you know, I think um, for my not-dad, I was going to talk about my friend Maria, who I've spoken about before, is a oh, yeah. source of constant, just, you know, she's one of those people that you love, but mm, you don't <laughs> want to, you know, in doses. Yeah. And, um, you know, so there are times where she just becomes too much and I have to get away from her for a bit. And I'll find myself thinking about something she said, you know, like, um, clay woman, if you don't call me back, you're never going to be happy again. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, you know, it's, it's very manipulative. And I thought, you know, you know, but later I was like, well, why do I, why am, you know, I just don't have to call you back. Yeah. You know, no, don't tolerate and, um, Right. You know, all of the times that she, she literally one time, and this was the worst thing she ever did, because she's very jealous of my relationship with earthlings, mm. you know, because, you know, I get a lot of people really tend to get along with me in here and she comes and it's not, don't serve as much of a reception. And so she threatened one time. I don't know if I should tell any of you this because it's quite frightening in terms of your own survival. Oh, 
We but, can put in know, a trigger warning. It's okay. Well, she threatened to destroy the entire planet Earth. No. And then, you know, which I felt was uncalled for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and out of line, you know, when I said to her, you know, what they don't even know about us. And she said, well, that's the problem. You know, she's upset so much that, the, that she's not being given the proper amount of attention. And I said, well, well look at them, Maria. They've cleared a couple lot on their plate. Yeah. And so I was able to talk her down from the ledge. And that's why sometimes I think I have to maintain a relationship with her is just to be there in case she gets a terrible idea like that in her head, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I don't mean to, at the, at the moment right now, she's not thinking anything like that. And I promise you, if she gets close to doing something like that, I'll do what I can and stop it. That's a lot of pressure on you, Clay woman. Like, yeah, yeah. I could see how that would turn into resentment that you feel responsible for sort of keeping Maria at bay because we don't know what she's going to do. Well, you know, it's, I don't see it as, you know, a burden at all. I, it's just, you know, I just love us. It's just one of the most unique and beautiful things in the entire universe. Is this little rock you're on and you, and I mean, really, I'm, I can't, I get left even in a bit emotional when I think about it, you know, it's a very special place and, um, you know, and so I would do anything. I would do anything for you. That's very sweet. Thank you for, Mm -hmm. thank you for that considered answer. Biz, who's not your dad right now? Well, I'm going to keep my not my dad short this week. The TV show Yellow Jackets, I don't understand the hype around it. And I just don't, I don't see what all the fuss is, which is an extremely dad thing to say about a show that you mm. don't, you don't enjoy. Um, I feel like I'm going crazy when I'm on social media because people who I really admire and writers who I admire are loving it and I just can't get into it. Clay Woman, for context, I don't know if you're familiar, it's a show about teenage girls in the 90s who crash on a plane and they're on a soccer team and they crash in the middle of the forest and then they have to eat each other to stay alive. It's like a a teen cannibalism drama. Yeah. Yeah. And I just kind of feel like, I don't know, I'm sure that nostalgia is something that hits differently for you because you have such a wide berth to to work with. But it's the cannibalism nostalgia mm-hmm. show? Yes, <laughs> it's a 90s nostalgia. It's 1990s, like, Elizabeth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, 1990s. That's no, a great no, no. disclaimer for clarity. We're talking about the 1990s. It's a show that takes place in the late 90s. Whoever chose the music for it gets all of the awards. It's whoever did it, it's the perfect mix of top 40 radio that was on at the time, as well as like deeper sort of alternative cuts. Um, the clothes aren't quite right. But I feel Mm. like it was a show generated uh, to reach out to people who are possibly Mm -hmm. Gen X and parents themselves now or someone on the older end of the millennial spectrum. And then on top of it, so it's it's set in two two timelines. It's it's these women now who are in their 40s and mothers themselves and sort of disillusioned 
women for various reasons in their lives, whether they're in unhappy marriages or struggling with substance abuse, et cetera, et cetera, flashing back to when they were teen girls living in a forest post plane crash, cannibalizing each other. I just can't get, I can't get into it. And I don't think it's very good. It just doesn't stick for me. There's just something missing from it. Erin, have you watched it? I tried to watch it and I couldn't get past the, the fact that Yellow Jackets is one word mm-hmm. in this show. The title is one word. And that is clearly two words, two English words, Yellow Jackets. And I understand there's supposed to be some kind of team, like a sports team. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm You're not, not in, in the, the mood. mood for a compound. I think word. it's like a B, it's like a right? Wasp. Yeah. It's a B, a but but why in the show is it called Yellow Jackets? I demand to know. Because their team is the Yellow Jacket. That's what I mean. Like And the Yellow Jacket team. Wasp is one word. It is? Yeah. <laughs> Clay woman, do you I mean, you must have witnessed cannibalism <laughs> observing Earth or anywhere. Does that happen in the Merlion Galaxy? Do you even have TV in the Merlion Galaxy? Yeah, like Netflix? Well, I think when we were discussing this, you mentioned your knowledge of the Jennifer oh. sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are two sisters who do an act, and it's the only thing that's allowed on media. And so that is definitely the television that we have. It's on 24 hours a day, seven <laughs> days a week. We don't even have weeks, so I don't know why, but um, framing it for your um, consumption. And, uh, you know, we're all tired of the song, mm-hmm. and, uh, but there's not much we can do about it. The one song that they have. They only have one song. Yeah. God, that sounds like North Korea. This is an incredible segue, if it's okay with you, because my not dad this week has to do with the sisterly saga of Jamie Lynn and Britney Spears. Mm. So Jamie Lynn is the younger sister of Britney Spears. She is 30 years old. There's 10 years between them. Jamie Lynn has a new book out this week. She's making the rounds. So I did quite a bit of research watching her appearance on Nightline last night and some Good Morning America clips. So I'm going to give you the details of the memoir. It used to be called I Must Confess, which was a lyric from Britney's first pop hit, Baby One More Time. And now, because Britney got very angry about that and basically said on her social media to her sister, stop copying me, stop using me. So now the book is called Things I Should Have Said. It's coming next Tuesday from Worthy Press, which is a Christian press, and she has a 14-year-old daughter. And she said that she started writing it actually because of the miracle that was provided for her daughter several years ago who was in a coma after an ATV accident where she was basically underwater for five minutes and not breathing and Jamie Lynn brought in a priest and that priest prayed over her and apparently she woke up from this coma. Anyway, the book is really her memoir and she said that she needed to write it as an example for her daughters that, quote, nobody ever stopped to consider me, but everyone is allowed to say their truth. 
Nightline tries to make clear that Jamie Lynn forged her own path to stardom as a kid, as Zoe on Zoe 101, a Nickelodeon show that ran from 2005 to 2008. But Jamie says that their father, also named Jamie, their dad's alcoholism defined the Spears family household. His bouts of drinking caused her torment and sorrow and led to anxiety and feeling like there was no one to care for her. Then their parents divorced in 2002, further making home life a minefield. Meanwhile, all the attention was on Brittany and her mental health struggles that ultimately led to her losing custody of her own kids. So Jamie got pregnant in 2007 at age 16. She reveals that every single person in her family and on her financial team, her manager, wanted her to have an abortion. So the story would never come out because it was such a distraction for what was happening with Brittany. Jamie Lynn got a lawyer and served her mother Lynn with papers and was ultimately emancipated and had her baby at 16. Okay, she does reveal that Britney's growing paranoia when they were young once led to Britney locking the both of them in a room while holding a knife. Her own experience with Britney when she was growing up is that she was both like a mother to her and was also erratic, paranoid, and spiraling. She reveals that dad Jamie was taking sobriety tests alongside his daughter Brittany when he first became the conservator of her estate and person. And the two seemed to lean on each other to stay sober, which made Jamie Jr. feel like she could finally exhale from the anxiety because, quote, there's actual people making sure that everybody's on the right track. Asked what she feels about her father today, she said, He's still my father. I have to acknowledge that in a responsible way. End quote. And then she dodged the question. When asked if she agrees with Brittany's assessment that daddy Jamie should be in jail, Jamie Jr. dodges and says that if Brittany wants to end the conservatorship, she should be able to facilitate that. Their relationship has been strained during the pandemic. Recently, Britt, I guess, lunged at her physically while she was holding her young daughter in her arms. Brittany was so angry that her other daughter, age 12, said she felt she needed to mediate between her aunt and her mom. Jamie and Lynn Sr. both told Jamie Jr. to suck it up. You can't upset Brittany, but when will I matter, says Jamie Jr. She feels betrayed and sad. She is apparently now married to yet another person named Jamie. What? He is known as a successful businessman. Now, who's not my dad in this scenario? It's oldest brother, Brian Spears. After all of this talk about what did Jamie do? What didn't she do right? I feel terribly for her after even just reading these clips. I think she's like obviously not a hero. But when you look at what the older brother, the oldest brother, who's arguably supposed to be the one to advocate for his younger sisters, both of them, he has said in the last couple of years, quote, 
The women in this family are very, very strong-minded and have their own opinion, and they want to do what they want to do. As much as I admire that, as a guy, one of two guys in this entire family, it kind of sucks. He's the oppressed one, yeah. Brian, on the subject of his father, Jamie, in general, I think Jamie has done the best he could given the situation he was put in. And as you know, with any family, one person might be on stage and doing things, but it's a sacrifice for everybody. Everybody's putting in, to some degree, a little bit to keep it going, end quote. So my question for you, Clay Woman, was really going to be about sibling rivalry. So it sounds like though you don't have siblings, you kind of understand that fraught relationship with your friend. Yes, well, thank you for that. I didn't know there's a lot of, um, you know. It's a lot. I like culture references, but yeah. very intriguing. And I do know, well, the Genesis is just very interesting because they um, are sisters mm. and they perform together singing, you know, the same song together, but they don't know about each other. Mm. They're actually, you know, they're so self-absorbed. They've never even looked They've never turned their heads. Oh, that makes so yeah. much sense. Yeah. And I think you've just gotten to the heart of what's happening here in this family. Yeah. What do you think will happen, Clay Woman, when they do? Do you think they ever will discover that the other sister exists as well? That that it's not one Jennifer? You know, I've tried. Yeah. I've yeah. really tried. I don't know what to do. I've tried to say to um, Jennifer. <laughs> and you know, look, it's Jennifer, and they literally will respond in unison. Yes, here I am, alone. I don't know if they're just doing it to drive me right. insane. Trolling you? Maybe they do know yeah, about each other. Trolling? Yeah, I don't really know. It's so interesting that they're both named Jennifer, because in this case, we have Jamie Lynn, the younger daughter, is the product of both of her parents' names, Jamie and Lynn, which has always really disturbed me. And I've been calling her Jamie Jr., but in fact, you cannot do that because only a son can be a junior. So Jamie Lynn married Jamie as well? Yep, there's two Jamies in that relationship for their kids. Two Jamies, too many. Safety yes. in the familiar. Yeah. There you go. What an extraordinarily complicated situation. Let's pivot to who our dads are right now. And just a reminder, our dads could be any person, place, or thing that has shown any combination of compassion, intelligence, and or vulnerable, big boss, dad energy. I'm going to start us off. My dad right now, and this has happened before, and I stand by it again, is Sharon Stone because... She has been looking out for us all. It was reported today for at least the last year and a half. She's been looking out for us all in a unique way that nobody else has. Firstly, it was reported today by Hello Magazine that she has moved away from her signature short hair and is now in a lighter shade that is than usual. And it falls just below her shoulders with a sleek center parting as evidenced in a photograph she put on Instagram with her flight attendant season two co-star Kaylee Cuoco, which is cool that she's going to be in the flight attendant too. 
the core of what I like about her, apart from when she did that editorial about Meryl Streep saying Meryl Streep is hyped up and all of the other women in her category pay the price for it, even though Meryl Streep is a very talented actor. And I thought that was fairly astute. I know we argued about that on the show, but I stand by Sharon on this. Here are some of the pandemic advice tweets Sharon Stone has offered us up. December 29, there is a study that shows if you burn a whole orange, then cut it open, add brown sugar and eat it, there's a chance of restoring your taste and smell from COVID loss. Who's talking about that? No one but Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone again. Am I the only person who's experiencing an armpit odor change with the (laughs) vaccines? Maybe you're not, but who else is talking about it? And if you look at the responses underneath that tweet, People are chiming in saying, oh my God, me too. Also, she let it be known that scientists can now use the mother's blood with the father's saliva to sequence their unborn baby's DNA. It allows thousands of genetic diseases to be identified without invasive procedures. She describes that as another miracle Hmm. of science, something else the universe has shown us. Thank you, God. Odd that she would be linking science and God, but do what you need to do, Sharon. A couple of days after Thanksgiving, Mm. she told airmail.news that she eats tea and toast for breakfast and her favorite excuse is the phrase, I'm not allowed. I just think she's been serving us lovely little escapist moments and things that people are not thinking of. And I appreciate that very much. I also love that she released a memoir in the middle of the pandemic called The Beauty of Living Twice. What does that title mean? No idea, but I'm interested to find out more. Also, she did say that she was in Mensa, but she's not. And then she kind of admitted later that she made it up, which I appreciate too. It's called The Beauty of Living Twice because she did die and come back to life, much like Jamie's daughter after the ATV. She had a stroke. I'm not surprised that she has all of this insight then. Yeah, brain hemorrhage. I think that she is a survivor. I think she's extraordinarily glamorous and beautiful and an articulate woman who's acting credentials are unquestionable so sharon stone seriously you really believe that for the most part you really think she's a good actor i liked her and i don't think she should be commenting publicly about side effects from the vaccine i feel that's very irresponsible of her listen i think she's just saying am i the only person yeah fair enough maybe that's true i mean none of this is only (laughs) i think she should delete that we could write i'm sure she would consider it I also think the orange thing was kind of innovative. But anyway, I've always kind of thought she was an interesting woman and she's survived. She really hasn't. She has a notion of herself. She's kind of got that thing where she, she should be more of a gay icon. But I think that gay men are sort of like flat out with the ones they have because she's like aware of her own like vulnerabilities, but she's still like, fuck you. I'm an alpha woman in the world and I'm beautiful. It's a complicated game for her in Hollywood. Well, I love that she made up the Mensa thing because that's something that immediately pops into my head whenever I think of Sharon Stone. That she's like a liar. (laughs) Yeah. It was like a fun fact that was spread widely about her in the 90s. I probably, right? Wasn't there something about her husband, her ex getting attacked by a Komodo dragon? Yeah, that's right. I wonder if she had anything to do with that. Like at a zoo or something or like just in general, like it was like in their neighborhood on the loose or something. Yeah. Or yeah. in the wild, you know, she has a lot of charity work overseas. <laughs> I looked it up. Sharon Stone was getting a private tour of a Komodo dragon exhibit with her ex-husband in 2001. 
And uh, she watched in horror as a 10-foot lizard attacked her husband, and he had to undergo emergency surgery to reattach his big toe. But then, get this, in 2018, she tweeted a video of a Komodo dragon strolling down her street in Beverly Hills. A second mm-hmm. run-in. How does that happen? And why is she such a magnet There's for Komodo no way. dragons? There may not be any way any of us can ever know, Clay Woman. What insights do you have about being a woman who survives in the world where even if you're from another galaxy, you're still coming in contact with like these patriarchal structures, like your former love that you talked about sounded like fairly kind of typical dude who's kind of immature. Like, mm. how do you, what insight do you have as a woman who survived? Well, I don't finish to gray. I just, you know, I, um, you know, I have a lot of compassion sure. for him at this point. I really want to see him just, you know, let it go really, you know, mm. I mean, that's the main thing, you know, and so Spock was shared in stone. <laughs> what I'm really interested in is like the, is the Komodo yeah, yeah. dragons, really. That's probably the most interesting thing. You know, I don't know if this answers the question about anything patriarchal, no and I'm problem. sorry if it doesn't, but perhaps the Komodo dragons are a symbol for that. I don't know. But I think there's something else going on there between her and them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's what I would start to investigate. Mm-hmm. And I'm very sorry if I didn't answer your question. That's your response. That's perfectly fine by me. Perfectly fine by me. Thank you. Well, your intuition is telling you from what you witnessed over your life, Clay Woman, that something is going on between Komodo dragons Mm -hmm. and Sharon Stone. Yeah, we're going to get to the bottom of it. I don't know if it's going to, you know, if it's, you know, if there's any uh, impending danger from it, but it would be good to investigate. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Biz, who's your dad? Well, I have to say... That my dad this week that's shown a m- tremendous amount of big boss energy is is death. Death has been coming full stop. I mean, since the 31st, death has swooped in. I mean, obviously, death is always around us. It's the great equalizer. But we start on December 31st with Betty White. And then <laughs> it's just been cultural beloved icons daily, practically since then right in the past week alone peter bogdanovich sydney poitier Mm -hmm. bob saget Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. yesterday tragically ronnie specter the Mm. iconic voice behind be my baby and uh front the best of of all those four men with a Mm -hmm. man's name (laughs) exactly Yeah. So I'm just really impressed by death this week. And I wanted to talk about death in general, Clay Woman, because something that's interesting to me about you is that you are not dead after all these years. You're still alive. You're still here. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I'm definitely at the manga life. It could happen at any point, I suppose. But it's like, you know, there's no competing with it. Right. Mm-mm. It's just one of the most... um you know, it's iconic, really. It's really one of the most um, that enduring, is iconic. enduring and universal. It's a universal experience, really. Whatever your particular circumstance on, on your planet or any other planet, you know, at the very end, that's what it is. And Clay Woman, how is death treated in the Marillion Galaxy? Like, I know that there are different planets. Like, there's you've talked about the planet David. You've talked about even the planet Elizabeth, which I'm interested mm. in. 
Um, There's Planet Harmonica. I've heard you talk about do death traditions vary on different planets? They vary in different ways on different planets. You know, it really depends on the species and stuff. You know, for someone like me, they'll be probably a little bit, you know, a couple of friends will come around and say, oh, come on. But, you know, because it's been so long, it would be greedy of me to be upset about it when it comes. I feel like it, I do think it causes much, much more pain on your planet mm-hmm. because of your short, your short lifespan. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is. It's it's truly just, and we don't know what happens after me, death, you know? and no one ever has been able to figure that out. Do you guys have any? I mean, we have a clear idea that if I said anything, it would get me in so much trouble, and I think it would screw up your psychological development. Fair, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. No doubt, fair enough. Yeah. No Aaron, doubt. okay, so ooh, my dad this week is teenage rebellion which i thought about because over the holiday break ted cruz has a 13 year old daughter i'm not even gonna really say her name because it's not important she's so young but she had a tiktok that was up publicly now it's not where she was talking about what it was like to be texas senator ted cruz's daughter who happens to be the homophobic Republican. She reveals in some screen grabs that she identifies as bisexual and she included her pronouns. So when other people were asking her, like, what does your dad think about that? She said, I haven't told him yet. I'm kind of nervous too, to be honest, but I don't think he would be mad about it. Um, We were talking about this within the context of Claudia Conway, who was the very vocal teenage daughter of Kellyanne Conway, blonde henchwoman and unfortunate mouthpiece of then President Donald Trump. But she made TikToks that were sort of exposing Kellyanne as abusive and at one point accused her of leaking a tapless photo of her. Claudia was was accusing her mother of leaking a tapless photo of her teenage daughter. But then she went on American Idol for Mm. a fruitless audition where it seemed to be their mother-daughter relationship drama was used as a narrative device Mm -hmm. to show the power of music to heal relationships. So while it is tempting to get really excited that this 13-year-old girl reveals that she doesn't agree with her horribly, obviously terrible father's Republican belief system. It's just dangerous. She's so young and it's a different time. So while I want teenagers to be rebellious, I don't think that adults should get wrapped up in it too much and look to them to be the catalyst for change because Claudia is now getting along well with her mom. Maybe it was because they were forced into court-ordered therapy, but she is no longer criticizing her mother, which makes me feel like it was all part of a publicity stunt. Mm. Uh, But I looked up Teenage Rebellion on Wikipedia, and this was the first paragraph that I think it's interesting. According to terror management theory, the child's allegiance to parental authority 
and worldviews can weaken after the discovery that parents, like themselves and everyone else, are mortal, just like what Clay Woman said. This realization creates an unconscious need for security that is broader than what the parents alone can provide. This can lead to new cultural allegiances in the search for a more enduring sense of meaning. Teenagers seek to perceive themselves as a valued contributor to aspects of culture that more convincingly outlive or transcend the mortal individual's lifespan. However, since the parents also instill their cultural beliefs onto the child, if the child does not come to associate their parents' mortality with their cultural beliefs, the chances of rebellion decrease. That is why it's a phase. So to translate, I think what that's saying is, my parents are going to die if I don't believe in the messaging spouted by my parents or agree with the life decisions they make, I might rebel. But if I don't truly think it's dangerous enough to kill them or me or everyone in Texas, in Ted Cruz's daughter's case, then I'm more likely to fall back in line. And that's why it's Terror management is the right title for that. Yes. Terror management yeah. theory. Look into it, America. What I'm hearing, Aaron, is that you would like to celebrate the concept of teenage rebellion in general, especially against powerful public yes. figure fathers. But we are not going to, yes, yes, queen, a 13-year-old mm -hmm. girl. Thank you, Public girl. TikTok. Is that what you're saying? That's 100% what I'm saying. I fully support you, Aaron. Me too. I Thank do too. You. I think that's very rational. I know like time doesn't really exist in the Marillion Galaxy, Clay Woman, but we have gone over and we've kept you here. I was just going to say, I want to be mindful of your time, but if, would you like to close out the show with who your dad is right now, Clay Woman? Well, yeah. Thank you so much. I do have to get going because we haven't known in the garden anymore, mm -hmm. so I'm going to get out of here. But I, but, um, but I was going to say, you know, it's funny. I'm going to say that my dad is going to be cancer. Oh, my sister, too. It's just lovely. And, you know, I don't even know if she knew me right now, but I just wanted to give her a shout out uh. because she's such a great, she's such a great support system and she always does such a yeah. wonderful job. How involved is Kelsa in your life? Is this person like in your home when you wake up in the morning or is it strictly like a professional kind of clerical assistant? You know, she's not there all the time. She comes around, you know, usually in the, in, you know, in the, in the late morning and stays and we do tasks and stuff, have a lap. I mean, honestly, I don't, you know, when she gets it, they can't see her. Oh, that's <laughs> true. So she could be with yes. you right now, maybe. Yeah, she could, but I feel like she's not. Yeah, you, you know when that. she's there. Well, yeah. where are you going to be? Um, in the next uh, short period of time, are you appearing anywhere that we can mention? I will be at Pangea in New York on uh, March 9th. And um, uh, you can, it'll be on my Instagram. I'll post the information, mm. which is Clay Woman mm. Hello. Um, there were a lot of other live appearances, but a lot of things have been cancelled, which is very unfortunate. So in the meantime, um, I've got a um, lot of conversations up on my Patreon, which is also Patreon uh, is yes. Clay Woman. Great. And, 
patreon.com slash kellywoman and I'll, I'll be checking in there most of closely for the next couple of months. I well, suppose. thank you so much for your time and, and your yeah. consideration and your and your considered words and thoughts. We're very, very appreciative yes. um, that you could take time out of your travels. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you so much. It was lovely listening to all of you and learning all these new things. I'm going to tell <laughs> thank everyone. Thank you for telling everyone. <laughs> Please do. Spread it around <laughs> in the Marillion Galaxy. Yeah. It certainly will. <laughs> thank you so much, Clay Woman. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. See take care, all of you. Have a lovely Bye. day. Bye-bye. Tell Me About Your Father was created and produced by Aaron Hosier, Elizabeth Thompson, and Matthew Phil. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Tell Me About Your Father and become a Tell Me About Your Father subscriber at patreon.com slash tellmeaboutyourfather. your father.